I didn't know what to say. I didn't know what to do. We've never been in this situation before. You know, they finally brought Kiri back and they said, you know, do you want to hold baby? And I was like, do I? I was like, I, I don't know. Like, and, and this sounds, this sounds really bad, but I'm going to tell it as it is. You know, this is a dead baby. You know, I wouldn't grab a dead person. I'm like, this is what was running the kind of crazy stuff that's running through my head right now. You know, I, I, it sounds weird, but you know, you're kind of like, well, what do I do? I'm, I can't bring her back to life. Like, nothing's going to change. You're going to show me what I could have had. And it's like, well, we didn't. Hello, everybody. And welcome along to the Still Parents podcast. I'm Dan. Alongside me, as always, regulars, of course, Ryan Jackson from the Lily Mae Foundation. Him and his wife, Amy, who um, set up the charity and also we started this podcast almost two years ago when we were in the, the middle of lockdown. Not far off two years ago. No, not far off at all. About eight years. It's crazy, crazy, actually, to think of that, yeah. isn't it? Welcome along, Matt Whitehouse. How are you, Matt? I'm not bad. Not bad. I couldn't get my McDonald's on the way here, so I'm a bit hungry, but I'll get it on the way home. <laughs> yeah. First world problems, eh? Absolutely. <laughs> Shame, innit? Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, we're here. It's been a while, actually, now since we closed off Series 4. Obviously, all those episodes are up there on uh, Spotify, whatever your podcast provider is, and you can take those in whenever you want. There's a few other things that we, we need to mention before we introduce our guest, who is, uh, let's just check he can hear us, actually, first of all, and he's here. Welcome along, Chris Watson, who's joining us on, on Zoom. How are you, Chris? Are you okay, buddy? Yeah, not too bad, apart from the old, uh, old, old bid. So, yeah, all good, apart from that. Yeah, the reason Chris isn't joining us tonight is, he, he was supposed to be here, but he's come down with COVID. It's weird, actually, because in the last few months, it's like... Didn't know it's still start, start, Stop thinking about it. I haven't done a test for a while. And... No, no. He said to me on message earlier, he said he just thought he had a bad case of hay fever. So he thought he'd better do a test. And there's a reason, obviously, reason obviously why he's done yeah. a test as well, which we'll go on to in a bit. But, yeah, yeah sadly, it came back positive. So Chris is uh, in an Airbnb currently isolating away from his family. <laughs> but we'll, we'll come to that again shortly. But, yeah, a lot's gone on since. Matt, you've done your 4448, which was the challenge we were, we were talking about just before the end of the last series, which was where you ran four miles every four hours for 48 hours. Madman. Which is an insane challenge. And you've completed it. How was it? There was a couple of moments, I, and I won't go on for too long, but it, it, well, I, first of all, I was, thought I was hallucinating on the second night because I turned around and Rob, who you know Rob, my best mate, he's the one who stands by me for everything, and he, he very kindly drove around with me for the two midnight runs because um, I didn't fancy getting attacked while I was out just in case, and you never know. Yeah. You know? So, and by this point, I was, I was so tired. Like, and I was like... And then I've turned around again. Then Ryan's walking up the path. So I was like, no. So he came out for the second run on the midnight run, which was very, very kind, oh, brilliant. kind of him. Yeah, I don't know how he did the four, yeah. every four for 48 hours, because I was purely knackered after four miles. It, I, I think... I just going through the motions. That, it's, it's just, it gets to a point where... It's literally, yeah. I mean... You're in deep waters, aren't you? I think the first... So I came back from my third one, and I said to my wife, Crystal, I said, I... I'm getting slower. And she went, what are you talking about? Just stop. Listen, if you say that again, I'm going to make you stop running anyway. Like, you know, <laughs> so, so, I'm so determined to my speed and whatever. So, so yeah. there was that. And then I won't go into too much detail, but okay. my, my four o'clock run on the second time round was three minutes a mile slower than my average. Because basically every time I started to run, I thought I was going to poo myself. Right. So I li um, literally, I got, I got about a third of the, uh, yeah, not even a third of the way in. And I'm like, I'm in serious trouble, like genuinely serious trouble here. I wouldn't be doing my job if I didn't ask. Yeah. Did you? No, I was close. There's like a little, there's like a little forest on, on the route. I'll be honest, mate. I was just looking behind me because well, I yeah. thought we were going to get attacked. Yeah, yeah. So there was, there was like a forest on the route and I, and I, I genuinely thought, I stopped three times because I was going to go in and just, because every time I ran, yeah. I, I thought the world was just going to disappear out of my... Right, because get you. Because the thing you. is, like, <laughs> the, the thing is, it's weird because you, your body's just all over the place and it's one of those things that you, your body's just not used to... It's protesting. Well, yeah, literally. And, and I, and protest, I, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, that's it, yeah. <laughs> And I'm a fairly regular man. But stop, I, stop it. All right, but stop it. It's yeah. not the podcast of poop. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but at this point, my body, my body was just like, right. yeah, you, you need to stop. So, yeah, so I... I, that was that was one of the hardest bits, but I think overall it was the balance of fueling, sleep, and, mm. and recovery. Um, and I I got the twenty four hours, and I was like, well, this is the bit where I did I yeah. finished last time. For anyone who's not familiar with this, this was double the challenge that Matt did 
the year before, which was two miles every two hours for 24 hours, wasn't it? No, uh, f- so it's four miles every four hours for 24 hours. Right. Oh, yeah, sorry. Yeah. So you doubled the time. That yeah, you did, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and, and it was around the time that you lost Callie, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So we, I do always, so I did always do yeah. some kind of challenge around Callie's birthday. Yeah. Um, Let's yeah. get some strange looks from people that are driving and they see just a bunch of lads, two in the morning, having a jog. <laughs> Well, it, yeah, I mean, the, the four o'clock one. Nipping into a forest. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> the, <laughs> woof, the, woof. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to be honest, I, they'd be probably more scared of you. I think so. The four o'clock one was weird because I, I, even though it was light by then, because it was getting light by the time I did my four o'clock one, obviously, oh, it was yeah, the time of, course, of year. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It, the cars that were going past, I was very aware of the cars. I was like, it, I was very aware where they were doubling up round yeah. again. Cause like, what, why have people... She, I mean, you see a taxi, fair enough, but normal cars, like... You do realise you, you'll have inspired someone who's who's probably thinking they're really into their fitness and they get ready for a marathon or whatever they're doing and they see you running at four in the morning and they're not sure, they're not wary of the challenge that you're doing. They go, my God, I need to step up my game. Yeah. He's, really, he's really on it, he is. <laughs> yeah. Or they have the polar opposite and think, sod yeah. it, I can't be asked <laughs> yeah, with this. What are you doing that for? Like, yeah. So no, it was... Oh, well, congratulations. Yeah, it's, thank it's a you. brilliant it, achievement. It, it, was, it was good. And I, I mean, I, the, the next one I wanted to do was seven miles every seven hours for 72 Hours, you're having a laugh because yeah. she's, she's seven next year so but crystal said uh, you know just that's it no so i've got to think of something different now so i'm, I'm looking at one of those 100k ones probably could um, you not just do like a balloon release or something yeah. <laughs> no i can <laughs> <laughs> but i i've just i have to do some so yes yeah, so i'm, I'm looking at a looking at a, one of those 100 Oh, wow. things, I think. Wow. Okay, well, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll keep you informed with that. Uh, also, and it was just last week, actually, you boys climbed Snowden. We did. Well, not for the first time, wasn't it? And it was the day after we had that, right, we've, we've, uh, we've had some brilliant weather, haven't we, recently? But then one day that you did it, <laughs> I got asked if I could join you guys literally 12 hours before because yeah, I yeah, think yeah. someone dropped out. Yeah. That's right. And I remember thinking on the day, I'm gutted to have missed it, but when I saw the weather... Mate, I'm not joking. <laughs> we walked from summer to winter. Yeah. Basically. Around the corner? Around the corner. Yeah. It went from summer to winter. Literally. And it was 30 mile an hour gusts, oh. standing in the clouds at the top of Snowdon. Yeah. No sunrise. No sunrise at all, which is why we were doing it, to actually see the sunrise, but you couldn't see five metres in front of you. Yeah. Fog rise. And Fog rise. How, yeah. how was it? Did you have many people from the charity come along with you? And, and... There were si- yeah, 16 people in total. Yeah. It was all, um, did, all did tremendous. Yeah, things. it was re- really good. And we'll give a, a special shout out to Nicola, who we... Oh. She really did struggle because she was injured um, and she ended up walking literally by herself for the whole thing with one of the guides um, at the back and she was probably about, I don't know, half hour, 45 minutes mm. behind the vast majority of us. Mm. But the fact that she was so determined to get up Brilliant. and uh, and get to the top. Which is what it's all about, isn't Absolutely, it? And yeah. she saw us coming down, which must have been, yeah. you know, yeah. one of those things that we've all done it and, and I mean... You know, she's well, still got there. We yeah. spoke about this, haven't we, on, the, on the, the podcast numerous times. It's those going into those dark moments Absolutely. and sometimes doing these challenges takes you to that place where you're going to be confronted with feelings that maybe you've, you've pushed back. Mm. And it's a t- because, yeah. like you say, you, your body's all over the place. You, your head's complaining. Physically, you're a wreck mm. and you're shattered. So yeah. you, your mental endurance is it, maybe it's in a different place and you can, you can evaluate these feelings. We've, and that's why we talked in recently on the show about the importance of exercise. Yep. Um, team sports, which brings us on to yesterday. Yes. Where we took part in the Ollie Wilkes Memorial Football Tournament, which was over in uh, Briley Hill, wasn't it, in Birmingham? It in was. Birmingham. Yes. Well, I don't think we, we, we did make it to the quarterfinals, but I thought we represented ourselves. We, we played the overall winners in the very first game and they only beat us 2 0, so we were quite. We were quite and happy I, with I, that. I thought we did quite well, considering <laughs> yeah. we found out as soon as we stepped foot on the pitch that one of the players had just signed a professional contract with Notts County and yeah. was uh, an under 21 Portuguese international. Yeah, they had, they had a proper ringer. I, our ringer was my mate Leon, who hadn't ran for seven years. <laughs> All right, Leon. <laughs> just before kickoff in the first game, Ryan turned around and went, Dan. See that lad you're marking, number 15? Yeah, he's just signed for Notts County. I'm like, you, why, did, why did you say that? Was he that, like, like was he? Oh, I was different gravy, mate. Different like, gravy. Everything. Just, yeah, he, just, you couldn't get near him. No. He, like, yeah. yeah, he was very good. And that's National League. You think about yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. Like, you think, like, what they're like. Anyway. Yeah. yeah just... Obviously, so that was the, the Ollie, uh, Ollie Wilkes Memorial Tournament. So thank you to everyone who, who came down to that. It was a good day out. It was a brilliant was... day, and I believe they raised just over 11 grand as well, which was, which was really good. Excellent. We should maybe think of doing something like that. Yeah, that's part of... Well, we can't yeah. say that, actually. But, yeah, that's, uh, yeah, yeah, that's something which we'll look at in future, okay, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, that was great. And there's there's a couple of other bits actually, but we'll we'll close that out at the end of the podcast we because shall. yeah, we've got some other things to mention too. So let's bring in uh, Chris. Where are you, Chris? By the way, you're an Airbnb somewhere. <laughs> Sounds like he's at Mars. Yeah, an undisclosed location. I can't tell you if I, if I told you it after Killy down. So uh, yeah, we can't we can't talk about that. <laughs> I feel like I'm in the Taken Four. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I'm, I'm not far from you guys. So I, I obviously live in Leamington. I know oh, you okay. guys are in Leamington, not far. Uh, I'm not far outside of that at the moment. That's it. So yeah, joining us on Zoom, and, and um, obviously the sound quality is not amazing on these things. But uh, yeah, we've got you, and um, yeah. So I mean, we've met. We've done the Wolf Run together, haven't we? And um, yeah, for yep. anyone who's watching, by the way, Ryan just pointed out on on the live stream. If you just want to put your eyes to the top left of Chris's, he's not in a brothel. Yeah. <laughs> Something quite phallic. Yeah, what's that? <laughs> the actual picture. Is no. that? spot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What sort of room have you rented? <laughs> Don't ask. It's got red lights, though. I didn't know whether turn them off or on during this. Uh, wow. I thought it was on air lights, but I didn't want to ask. <laughs> <Yeah>. On air lights. <laughs> <laughs> um, so obviously, you know, we like to um, have a bit of fun and games and joke around, uh, as we spoke about plenty of times, because, you know, we're here, we live in, and every, but we, we, we're here for a serious reason, the Still Parents podcast, which was initially started uh, during lockdown when Ryan said, we need, we need to get a podcast going. We need to talk about some of the, the conversations that... People who've who've lost a child have been through, but not only that, the people that haven't, the, the friends and the other family members, so to know what to talk about or maybe not, what not to say. One of our most popular episodes is still the the elephant in the room, where we just address those things that people would feel uncomfortable with saying, or maybe things that you you should be able to say that you didn't realise that you could. Yep, uh, they're they're all up there. So, Chris, if you don't mind taking us uh, taking us through your story uh, with you and your other half, it's Kiri, isn't it? Yeah, who's listening now? So uh, yeah, and, uh, hi from the other side of the uh, of the house. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, and uh, and you lost uh, your daughter Amelia. It was last year, wasn't it? Yes. So, yeah, yeah, in yeah. April, so the fifth. So yeah, as as talk as as much as you want, and uh, we'll, we'll jump in and just reveal what you want to reveal about how that all happened. Yeah, sure. So basically, last year it was the fourth of fourth of April. Basically, Kiri was due date was you know passed. Uh, we'd gone beyond that point. All of a sudden, she was kind of like, well, I, feel, I don't feel quite right. And she's like, I think something's changing, blah, blah. So we thought we'd better go home. I was like, you sure it's not the roast? Sorry to my parents that may be listening. Wasn't there cooking, I promise. <laughs> the, yeah, she, she, she got a, you know, that feeling. And then we kind of left home. And by about you know, 8.30, she started to have, have contractions. So I was like, right, okay, we're ready to go. You know, she got the bag and everything else uh, just in case. At like 10.30, you know, they were coming more thick and fast and we, we kind of called up the, the midwife and said, you know, what should we do? By this point, by the way, just for information, we were having a home birth. So the whole idea was we were in COVID. Um, I knew that if we went in, you know, and I wasn't allowed into the birth or anything else, we kind of played in our minds. We said, we'll just, we'll just have a home birth. And we were told, you know, initially they came out to assess our home. They were like, yeah, everything's fine. You know, all's good. Uh, we are literally what, about seven minutes away from the hospital if anything goes wrong. Yeah. So I was like, great. So, you know, around, you know, like I said, around 10 so we had that, that call and we were told call back every hour. We got further in and Kiri started getting a bit of pain and she was a bit uncomfortable. So we said, right, let's call the midwife out, you know, enough's enough, let's just see what she says. Get her out. She came out, um, you know, the first thing she, she did was said, oh, she got her stuff out. She's like, I haven't got any batteries for the Doppler. I'm like, right. I was like, so... Well, don't you pack the kit? So I was there rummaging around in the in the drawer trying to find these batteries. By the way, I still not have, have not had them back. I've not been reinstated for these batteries. Come on, son. Is that um, why your TV remote doesn't work? Yeah. Exactly right. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, we started at that point, um, you know, it started off in a, a very interesting way. And anyway, she got, got through it, checked with the Doppler, uh, checked here and said, look, you know, the baby's heart rate's a bit raised. We want you to kind of go in and get checked out further. So we were like, yeah, not a problem. Grabbed the bags, grabbed the pillows, got everything in the car and went off to the hospital. Uh, and like I said, it's not far from us. So I'm sure you can imagine Warwick hospitals, you know, literally there in a few minutes, got up to the ward, told them, was there waiting, you know, while Kiri's trying to shove her up the stairs, you know, having contractions every couple of seconds, walking walking along the corridor and then trying to get up the stairs. You can imagine the, uh, the rude words that are coming out of her mouth. Um, as we were trying to get up at this point. So anyway, 
We finally get let in, see, meet the midwife after about 10 minutes and get pulled to a side room where she she goes, you know, and, and does the checks and stuff like that. And Kiri at this point is, is not feeling very well. She's been been quite sick and, um, you know, they need to check her for dehydration and stuff. I was going to say, we, how, um, how were you feeling at this point? Was it was it cause for alarm or did you, did you think it, this is just something which is, you know, because it was, yeah, you hadn't had a child to this point, was it? So it's that new experience. Yeah, good question. I mean, like, as a you know, as a new parent, you have no idea what's kind of going on, what's happening, and you are you know trying to work out what's what's going on at that point. But all was all seemed fine. You know, we were going in. The, the midwife had come out. She'd reassured us. We go to the hospital. We're in a safe space, right? We're in a we're in a really good spot. So I felt like great. You know, I'm in the right place to be. Although Kiri's not in the best position, she's in pain. I'm like, well, this must be must be normal, right? You know, I've seen these things on TV. That's about the most experience I've ever had. So, you know, we always see that stuff. And, and as a, you know, as a first, first baby, that's kind of all I've known because we don't have kids, mm. um, you know, beyond Amelia. So anyway, we got in there, um, the midwife had done the checks, everything else. And she started to go, yeah, you know, you're contracting every, so many, you know, couple of minutes. She was dead on the dot. She was checking it by the clock and she was going, yeah, you, you know, you kind of been at that point where I'm like, well, She's an established labor pretty much, but she wasn't dilated enough. Okay. So they said to her, well, look, you know, um, we'll we'll do what we're supposed to, you know, check out and everything else. And Kiri's like, well, I don't want to be checked out necessarily because it's, it's uncomfortable. Um, at which point, you know, she put the Doppler on for about five minutes. It was like, oh, yeah, the heart rate is a bit, is, is elevated. And we sat there. I'm like, right, okay, do you want to read notes, for example, for what we've got to do next, the birth plan, all that kind of stuff? She's like, no, 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 don't worry about it. All's fine. Um, so then we, you know, after seeing this clock and moving, she was like, well, you know, you've opted for a home birth. Um, Kiri's like, well, can we kind of stay in? Because I've, I've, I've loved these two, you know, this big suitcase and the pillow in here. I'm like, we've got our stuff. We're kind of good to stay, you know, right yeah. now. Can we can we stay? She needs more pain relief. Yeah. And she went, well, not really, because you're not in, you know, you're not fully dilated enough. And she's like, well, can I go to the, the birthing suite, because we'd already said, you know, the bluebell suites attached to them. Um, that was our second option. If we wanted to go, you know, things weren't great, we could go there and uh, and go to that midwife-led kind of uh, unit, which is a nicer area. And they said, well, no, not really. We don't think they'll accept you in there. So she went, we think it's best you go home, you know, and, you know, you carry on there. How did you feel? So, Kiri, well, it was that point where you're kind of like, well, I've got my stuff. I'm sure by now you're saying Kiri's contractions are well-established. But she's not dilated, so I'm kind of like, well, what does that mean? Kiri's in too much pain to be like really saying much at yeah. all. So it's kind of that point where we're like, well, I can only guide by the birth plan, and she hasn't accepted the birth plan because I've gone to unlock a phone and give it to her. Yeah. She's kind of gone, well, I don't need to see that. So I'm kind of going, well, well, what now? Look, kind of looking at Kiri for like that point of saying, well, she's wanting to stay in. What do I do now? And I think both of us were kind of in that kind of a bit bemused state you know what i mean that point where you're like well do you, do you think that it, because it's your first child that you've almost got that you, you put like you say very clearly you're putting the trust into the into the professionals that are there at that time and it's almost like there's a sense of naivety because because you, you're uneducated in this in this area other than the 30 second episode a 30 minute episode of eastenders that you've watched where they everything is brilliant and then there's a baby within 30 minutes whereas this is real life and you're being told one thing by the professional that you're trusting but you're yeah, yeah you're just naive aren't you i suppose at that point because you you don't know any different yeah yeah do anything when you don't know what they're doing they're not explaining to you what they're doing yeah so you kind of accept they're the ex expert in the field you know they know what they're doing you kind of go well okay i'll i'll just kind of go with what they're saying um, and that was when they kind of said, right, we'll, we'll go home. And we were kind of like, go home and do, do what now? Yeah. You know, at that point, we kind of had gotten our bags again, trundled off down the stairs with more, more of those rude words as we were getting down each flight of stairs, getting back to the car, having to stop each second because Kiri's, Kiri's not, not very well at all, yeah. you know, with a, with a bag almost carrying it along. And um, I bet, that, I bet and, that's quite frightening as well, Chris, because yeah. like you say, you're going home to do what? To sit in, well, sorry, to sit and watch Kiri be ill. Struggle, yeah. Struggle, being immense pain, obviously, for because she's in established labour and what have you. And and that must be that must be really scary, especially when, when 
like you say, it, it, well, especially when it's your first first experience, sorry, and you're putting the trust into these medical professionals, but then you're thinking to yeah. yourself, hang on a second. So I'm thinking, were you feeling, what, how were you feeling at that time? Was there any, did you feel as if this was fairly, you know, this must be normal? Were, were, were you having concerns starting to build? And, and how did it move on from there? Good question. I mean, like, to both of you in terms of, yeah, you feel very much alone because this boy, Kiri, can't really talk or function beyond what's going on, right? So you're kind of leading that point and, and you know, you've, you have met Kiri, most of you in there and know she's a pretty strong person and leads most things. So, you know, being the, the second person to lead that point and then going to your point, Dan, is, is like, well, you know, what did you kind of feel to that? You know, does it feel normal? Did you, you kind of don't know. It's the best way I can describe it is yeah. if someone tells you to do something you've never done before, you kind of accept it it's because no it's the unknown. It's, yeah. it's interesting. Exactly. Can I just cut in there? Yeah, so go it's, for it, Matt. It's, it's interesting because what you're saying there, Chris, so with, with Etta, we had the, it was going the same way as Cali. So it was, it was all match. Like, I think I've told you this already. Like we've had a chat about this. And just, sorry, uh, for anyone who's listening for the first yeah, time tonight, yeah, yeah. so it's a new episode. So you lost Callie, and you can listen to this in the yeah, first yeah. series. And Etta is, and she's now she's four and a half. Four. It's my new mate, yeah. Etta. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. There you go. She loves you. Yeah. Sorry. Go. Um, that wasn't um, why I was butting him. No. 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 Absolutely. No. No. So yeah, Etta's now four, and <coughs> yeah. you lost Callie. What? Seven years ago. Six. Yeah. Six years, six years ago. ago. So yeah. So we it, we were going exactly the same way with Etta, and um, the the doctors were basically in. They were on the verge of saying to us, even though we were consultant led, saying. Well, we're just gonna we're gonna send you out because you're not quite there. And Crystal literally turned around and said, "Listen, fine, you you can send me out. I'll walk into the car park and I'll walk back in again, and I'll re-register myself again, and I'll keep doing that until you accept that I'm gonna stay." But obviously, you at this point hadn't had any children beforehand, of course. So it, it yeah. it's all again life is experience, isn't it? And the fact is that, like I said. It, I, I just wanted to cut in at that point because it, our second experience, literally, like I said, was mirroring the first one. And until that point, uh, we put our foot down the second time round because you learn. And you went, I was never going to walk away without Etta being born that night because, like I said to him, I, and, and it's a brutal thing to say, but I, the only way I could get through to him, I said, I visited my last daughter in a cemetery for the last 18 months. I'm not doing it with this one. And like I said, with that mm. combined with Crystal... She turned around, like I said, and said, right, fine. I'll walk out, round the car park and come back in and I'll keep doing it. So, yeah, it's just, yeah, yeah. So just interesting what Chris is saying, really. So, yeah. It's an interesting one as well, Max. I mean, like, how do you say that to people that have not, A, not lost, like you said, and don't know, have not been that true yet before? Like, I mean, I, I know I've seen since friends that are like, you know, going through having their kids for the first time and you kind of, from a parent that's lost, you kind of just want to tell them everything but then realise that the shock value of that is like, that holding back of like, I don't want to, I don't want the outcome to happen to them, what happened to us. But how do you drip feed the stuff so they're aware of what they should look out for because you feel like you're doing a disservice. And I still feel like that even now. Like, how do you do that? And I don't know, maybe you know Ryan better than I do. I mean, again, though, Chris, it's a sad state of affairs that we're having to have that conversation because ultimately, yeah. you know, if, 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 you, if you injure yourself and you go to A&E, you see a doctor, you get fixed up, you go home. Right, so you put again. You you trust in the people that are educated to be able to make you better. The problem with this is that you're trusting people to deliver a baby safely, or you know, to to look after you in in the run up to delivering a baby safely. But ultimately, if you, as an individual, don't trust what that uh, what that professional is saying to you, my advice is you ask for a second opinion. And you always ask to speak to somebody else yeah. because, um, and there probably will be people on here who potentially are, um, it's a first, but maybe they're pregnant. Maybe they just come across it. And, and I don't think it's a case of scaring people. I think it's a case of just educating people that actually in, in the grand scheme of things, you know, it's better to ask and, and to be, to feel a little bit uncomfortable for asking a question than not asking it at all and, and, and almost being that naive that you take on board what they say and you take it as gospel because we've all done it. You know, we have all done it. And I, I think back now and I, I quite often think to myself, did we ever have a phase where a consultant or whether a midwife or somebody had said something about Lily that... You know, you can sort of think, hang on a second, why why didn't I pick that up? I was but about to ask you that. Is there you things can, that you regret, like maybe not going over at the time that you lost Lily? And I'll be honest, I don't think there is. 
I mean, there's there's probably little things, but then again, we were. I was obviously a lot younger at that time, so I would have been. I was 28. Again, you you trust the medical professional. Mm. Um, we'd been through a prior pregnancy, which was quite a traumatic one in itself because Amy had to have an emergency section because of preeclampsia with that. So again, this was an yeah. this was classed as a, I suppose a normal pregnancy, if you like, in regard to how we were being seen, and we had a few growth scans and stuff. But no, there probably wasn't because we just took for gospel what the medical professional was telling us. So we've reached this point so far, and um, yeah. yeah. So you've you've been to the hospital. You've asked if you could stay. Kerry's not feeling very well. You've gone back home. Lots of swear words up the stairs. Even more swear words back down the stairs. Um, what happened yeah. from there? Yeah. So. Um, one of the things we were told was to, to, you know, to go back, put the birth and pull up because we, we, you know, home birth, but also a, a, a water birth in that sense. So put the put the pool up and basically get Kira into the pool and and kind of, you know, let let her be in the pool and that will help with, with the the whole, you know, whole um, pain and, and and everything else that came. So got back, filled everything up. I'm, I kid you not, you need a degree to put those pools in because you've got the right temperature. You've got to get everything in there. I, I, all the paraphernalia that comes with that pool. Um, but finally got there, was happy with everything that was in there, got Kiri in. And I was about, it was about, I'll be honest, 20 minutes, 15, 20 minutes later, I'm like, Kiri's not really looking any any better and she's still in pain. I'm like, I'm not sure what to do. So I actually started getting on my phone and doing a bit of Googling. I know it sounds stupid, but I was like, no clue what to do. I got my phone Googling, to which I got some terrible stares because I think Kiri thought I was just looking at some kind of Netflix video on my phone while I'm like there and she's, she's in labour. So I'm I'm scrolling down my yeah, phone. it's true, isn't it? Kind of it's looking like, at her going, Sky what the hell are you on Sky Sports, yeah. weren't you, Chris? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you got the feeling, right? You know that, you know that look. We all know that look. That I got look, the look. We've all had like, that look, mate. Yeah, did somebody yeah. say just eat? He's on the app again. Get off Facebook. So I thought it was about time to, you know, Kiri was like, I think we need to call. And I was like, yeah, I, I agree. Did that help cool. Googling it? Or because, I mean, we've all, Google we might something. do it ourselves. Every time you've got anything remotely wrong with you, you Google it and all of a sudden, oh, that's it. I've got, I've got yeah. something horrible. Do you know what? There was little advice, Dan. I found very little in terms yeah. of like what that, like, I don't know if there was anything that I found that was useful for going through that process of you're at home alone yeah. after kind of coming back from a, from a, an event, which was like raised heartbeat from the hospital. What do you do? You Google that. And I'm like, probably very little comes up. And that's why it kind of got to the point. I was like, right, well, what now? When Kiri said, yeah. I need pain relief. And I was like, right, midwife's going to get called again. Um, we went to that point of calling them up. And I called them up and she was like, midwife answered. And I was like, you know, can you can you come? She's in pain. Oh, well, you know, it's been, it's only been a certain amount of time since you come out of hospital. Um, and I was like, I, I was on the call for a few minutes. And I said to me in the end, I said, look, please help me. I was, like, I, I was like, I don't know what to do. I was like, you need to come now. I was like, yeah. there's no other alternative. Like, that's it. To which, you know, she kind of said, oh, okay then, um, you know, and, and finally came out. So it was about, I don't know, about another 20 minutes, half an hour-ish before she came out. It wasn't a huge amount of time, but it wasn't quick by any stretch. Kiri's in the pool and she, she comes in, grabs her stuff. Um, and at this point, the first thing she does is get a Doppler out and she starts trying to, you know, make notes and listen for the heartbeat. She's not saying anything. And she's going along again and she's like, oh, you know, I can't, I can't hear anything. Oh. So Kiri and I, like Kiri's in, Kiri's obviously at like, this point totally, you know, yeah. not kind of with it, like in such pain. And I'm there going, what the hell is going on? And she's there trying to find the heartbeat. And she's eventually going, you know, can you, can you get out of the pool? We're going to have to put you into different positions to try and try and do this. Um, to which, you know, we'd, we'd covered our sofas and it looked like some out of Dexter, I kid you not, because it was all plastic over everything and, and everything was covered. But wow. trying to get her to move there, yeah, it was, yeah. <laughs> it was, uh, it was honestly, it was, it was like, a, it was mental. And, and hindsight probably wasn't a great idea to, to cover everything the same way. So it was difficult trying to get carry on to the, the yeah. sofa and stuff. And but basically by the time I'd looked, you know, she'd had what were basically Doppler marks all the way across the belly. And I, I won't, I'll never forget it. It was it was like, you know, you push them onto your stomach or, you know, it was just literally all over. Mm. And at this point, we were like, I don't know, half an hour in, whatever that looked like, you know, and still hadn't found a heartbeat. And I'm going, 
I, I finally said, well, we've got the bags. Like, yeah, we well, can go. We've, we've not long come back. I was going to say, at what point does this become... I mean, for me, this you know, this is an emergency <laughs> now, isn't it? You get you get to the hospital. Did well, you feel as if the, the, the midwife was... She was so calm, is the best way I can describe it, that it all seemed in hand. So when someone's calm with you, particularly at a medical point, you've all been there, done something, and someone's really calm, you're kind of like, well... It must be all right because they're not panicking. Yeah. So I'm trying to, I, I'm definitely panicking here and I'm like, something's not right, but they're not panicking. And clearly I'm the one that's not right here with that situation. So yes, yeah, to, to your question, it was like, well, follow what she's saying. Cause clearly, you know, she said this can happen sometimes with the words I think she used. Right, so, okay. you know, not hearing the heartbeat. And, and then she was like, I need to call someone. So she called through to the, to the ward anyway, couldn't get through. And then ended up calling the midwife that came out the first time, called her back and said, hey, you know, can't find a heartbeat. What's going on? Blah, blah. Can you come out? To, to which the midwife that had come out earlier said, yeah, no problem. And I'm still going, what? We're getting another midwife to come out now to the house and, and what's going on? And so she did. And about, again, 20 minutes later, 15, 20 minutes later, she's at our house. It's 20 and minutes though, isn't it? It's 20 minutes on top of the it, half hour before. It was it was a it was a good chunk of time, and then she came, and literally within a few minutes of her checking, she was like, "Call the ambulance." So she's gone down, she's checked to the Doppler, she's checked with the manual. I can't remember what it's called, but the manual one, and she still can't hear anything. She's like, "Call the ambulance." At which point, the ambulance gets called, and now you've got to wait for an ambulance. So it's not only yeah. half an hour with the first midwife yeah. to then get a second opinion on not being at. Not being able to hear a heartbeat to get a second opinion, so you wait another twenty. I just don't get the thought process no, behind that. No, normally, and that and, and actually, to some extent, some people can be too calm at times. Do you know what I mean? I, I don't know if you've ever been in that situation where you're too too calm with something and you make a mistake because you are almost too you're calm and you're you're overcompensating and- because you you feel that you've got something in hand or potentially that you. That you're um, that you don't want to believe what is actually in front of you that's at that it. time. That's the point. I think that'd be. The, I think for me, that's it. I think yeah. I feel like she was calm because I think inside she's thinking. Again, excuse my language. Shit, we've got an issue here, but I can't show that. And like, yeah. Well, I, that's that's where that's where the the fuzziness starts, isn't there? Because I get it. You know, within such an industry, there's an element of calmness you need to have because the, the people affected are looking to you for answers, for advice, but also not to be too freaked out. But there is that reality moment too, isn't there? Where it's come on, you need to. We need yeah. to do. We need to do something about this now. And that whole just having the two the two midwives come out after you've already been at the hospital. And I get it because, you know, it was, um, it was during COVID. So everything was a little bit different at the time. And at some moment, you just have to again, get the hell in there. But again, with, with, with Callie, we, I wasn't there for Callie's birth and Crystal was asleep. But before Callie was born, Crystal was on the ward overnight. And then Crystal remembers um, that there was a lot, all of a sudden there was lots of people around her. <laughs> And they took her on the way up, and on the way up to, to surgery, they scanned her again. And Crystal was like, I don't understand why they're scanning me. She's 38 weeks and five days. She's ready, you know, she could be born now. And the only person, apparently, actually, which went the other way, sounds like from your midwife, there was, there was a midwife in the room, apparently, that just went to everyone, we have to go now. And that was the words. Mm-hmm. Because she put her foot down and went... You know, yeah, and, so. and, and actually, we had that with a a future pregnancy where it was very much a we have to do something now, and yeah, every, you know things moved, and I don't think it's a case of of us potentially slating. No, no, of course not. No, no, I know, yeah, I know yeah, and, yeah. and I know it can come across. You know what we have been saying. I know it can come across that we are slating those those midwives as well. But Chris, I know we we've spoken a lot about you know those midwives and stuff, and. What I suppose I'm interested in is what are, what are your thoughts on on those midwives now and ha- and not necessarily how they dealt with the situation, but what are your personal thoughts to those midwives at this at this moment in time? It's interesting, um, and it's changed throughout the time. So the best way I can say is is you know each interval um, we're twelve and a bit months on now. So I know a lot more than I know than I knew then, um, which you know I'll, I'll explain more as we go through this. But at that point, I was like, 
well, it's strange, but defer to them. Now there's a definite difference of opinion um, in terms of the way that professionally things were done. Um, and it's really interesting because, you know, from what you hear right now and what you're hearing with our story is exactly how we felt at that time, yeah. but things transpired to change as we as we went through this. And 12 months down the line, we know a lot more than we did did then. So it, it definitely has changed. And I think, you know, I'll leave it open to, to interpretation, what everyone else would think. But I think when you initially go through this point yeah. and where we're at now, where we were at the time, um, there wasn't any kind of question where we're at now is a, is a bigger question of, of what that looks like from, from their point of view professionally and how we feel about how actions that they took may have changed the course of things. How, how, how do you think it's affected the way that you've grieved? For us, I mean, like I said, we're only, what I mean, we got basically at each stage of our, um, at each stage after what happened to Amelia was compartmentalized in terms of processes. So we're 12 months on, like I said, and things have only just started to come to a head. Okay. We're actually going now to a coroner's inquest. So we are 12 months on. And we're now going to get a coroner's inquest, which normally happens slightly earlier. So it, it doesn't stop it. Every time there's something new comes up, it just re-brings up everything you've got to go through, all the notes you've got to go through, all the information you've got to go through. Um, it, it, it's like it's like reliving it is the best way I can describe it. Did you feel as if it was almost being swept under the rug a little bit and you've had to chase it? And, and with those different stages of how you were going through you know, how is it affecting your feelings? Were they changing a lot during it all? Because you learn one thing, you think you're in a certain place, and then almost it's almost as if the goalposts are moving, I guess, to a degree. Everything's kind of, everything's come up. So we went through a definite, um, when we found out what happened with Amelia, um, you know, we went through a point where, you know, I know we're at the end of what, what happened, but basically we had to go through different levels of investigation. Um, that led to other parts being brought up. And, and I think that the the way that things are now, and you know, it's not a secret. We've had the Ockendon report and we've had Telford and Shrewsbury and we've had Nottingham, that things have changed the, the way they come. So, yeah. I mean, I, I, there's still parts of the story that will make more sense when yeah. we get, like I said, that are probably left out that will, will make more sense when we come to those well, parts that will, that will lead to that, that what, bit. What I'm thinking is, um, Chris, because obviously, I mean, we've, we've been on not far off 50 minutes already. <laughs> and I think there's, there's so much more that needs to be said. So I, I think this, um, would you be okay to come back on and talk to us again about the, the, the second part? Obviously, you, you lost Amelia. Yeah. And, and then the legal process that you've, you, you're going through, as much as you can talk about, um, and we can delve into that rather than rush through it. We can do that on a future episode. And hopefully, obviously, you'll be yes, covered sure. by then so you can join us in the studio. I think the thing is as well, Chris, is that we want to give your, we want to give your story and your experiences the justice that it yeah. deserves, yeah, basically. And I think the, you know, the, it, it wouldn't be right to just gloss over it in, yeah. in 10 minutes. You know, I, I've, been, I've spoken to you for a long time and I know how many hours we've spent together talking and, and it, like I say, it wouldn't do it justice. And yeah. I think there's just one question I want to ask you. And it's not that we're finishing now. There's just one question I do yeah. want to ask you. And that is like, if there was like a piece of advice that you, um, that sort of stuck with you right from the sort of early days prior to you going through, you know, all the, all the um, times where the goalposts were being moved and what have you, that you could give to a newly bereaved um, parent, and I, I mean that in general terms. I don't necessarily mean you know somebody that potentially goes through the, the same as what you're going through. What what would it be? I think going back to this, I'd always say a couple of things. So one is, if something doesn't feel right with what happened, particularly towards your loss, that you need to think about looking into that point. Um, you know, because we didn't know what we didn't know at the time, but something didn't feel right. And we had to chase down what didn't feel right. Um, and there are a lot of people out there that I've spoken to since that haven't had necessarily um, loss, but have had traumatic, you know, yeah. births that have said, I didn't think about, you know, following that up, or I didn't think about checking my notes to see what happened. Or, you know, it's about trusting your gut instinct. If something doesn't feel right, it probably isn't right. Would you, would you say, Chris, it was, you know, for the, 
would you say is, is just trusting your gut feeling, the, trusting your instinct that, hang on, I, I need to speak up more about this here? Because I think sometimes people are, I mean, we, look, it's, it's a very English trait, so I'm possibly stereotyping, but it is that whole, we're you know, quite polite, we don't want to upset someone or say the wrong thing, uh, however serious the situation. And obviously, you know, that's, that's the silly way to look at it, but just sometimes it's, it's, it's a non-tangible emotion, isn't it? It's just there. And it, you have to deal with it. And as soon as you do, that, that sort of knot in your stomach will, will go away. Some people say, don't they, if, if, if you've got a gut feeling about yeah. something, to go with your gut. 100%. Because ultimately, there's usually something yeah. Yeah, yeah. right with that yeah. gut feeling, isn't there's there? A, there's a reason for it. I don't know what it is, but yeah. there's, there's yeah. the reason for it, isn't there? 100%. Yeah, I definitely agree. If I could say it again, and I think that goes for everything. Yeah. Through that point. And, and even... Even people that are going through their, you know, having their first child and have never done it before, if it doesn't feel right, keep asking. Asking number one, right? You just said the same thing. You make sure you speak up, you yeah. talk about it, don't take the first word. And then secondly, trust trust your gut. Because if it doesn't feel right, it probably isn't right. Yeah. Um, and the same goes for when taking the bags and saying, let's go to the hospital, was my first bit of gut instinct that didn't feel right. When you got to the hospital, did, were you allowed, did you follow or were you allowed in the ambulance? So, no, yeah, I, I followed. Uh, I tried to get in the ambulance. I got told, <laughs> shove it, you're in the car. Um, I followed the ambulance. I think I ran a good few, few red lights that, that night. So, yeah, I had to follow in. I met the midwife, one of the midwives that were there on the ward, and she yeah. took me basically up to the, up to the ward. So, curious, was taken by ambulance. I was taken up basically to the, the ward okay. by the midwife. So, from that, from that point, you know, I was rushed in. They... I'd, I'd walked into Kiri basically with about five or six medical staff around them. So, you know, yeah. deep in like what was going on, consultants and all sorts. Her being strapped up to an ECG machine, if you've not seen that, it's like, a, mm. you know, monitoring for checking the heart rate, you know, and then being scanned as well. So she's hooked up to these machines and I just hear a lot of frantic, you know, voices going, I can I can't hear it. I can hear it. Yes, I can. No, you can't. Yes, I can. And it was like it was like bit, you ever heard bickering of like little kids? Yeah, yeah. It felt like it was like bickering of little kids in a room, like that couldn't work out what was going on. And then a, a, the doctor went, "No, I can. That's it. I hear it. Let's go. Wow. It's happening." Okay. Um, and took kind of that that decisive moment, like you said, you know, like you've talked about before, that kind of thing, like Matt said, that decisive moment where someone took, yeah, took charge. Control. That's a great way of describing it, by the way, the bickering kids. You know, sometimes when you hear people just arguing about something, you're not really sure what it is, and it's the, the people that you're putting your trust in. And it was a great analogy. And there's nothing clear coming there, from that, is it? It's like, like, like a blur, isn't it? So you're in there. They sent me to get scrubbed up, and they said, basically, they were going to try forceps. And if forceps didn't work, then Kiri was going to have to have an emergency C-section. Okay. So they took me into the room. Um, they said they're going to get everything prepped. And they left me in the kind of corner waiting. Like all these people running around having no idea what I'm doing. No idea what's going on with Kiri. You know, they give Kiri an epidural. So she's like not in the pain that she's in. Yeah. And we finally get into the room. And they're asking her to, you know, to push because they're trying to get baby out with the forceps. And because they've just given her, you know, that bejeweled, she, can't, she yeah. can't. So, you know, there's nothing that can be done. And they very quickly realised this and said, right, okay, let's switch to the C-section, which they sent me then back out of the room, stood me in the corner. I've no idea what's going on. They said, we're going to bring you back in when we know. And then they bring me back into the to the room where, you know, there's a the aprons up and Kiri's lay there basically. And, and they just start doing it. And I'm, at this point, you know, we're just, I think both of us. I don't know. If, I don't know if the, the thought of past Kiri's crossed Kiri's mind, but I know. I remember thinking, this really isn't good. Like, yeah. really isn't good. Like, I, I just thought. I looked at her and I was like, I just, you know, I'm feeling you like I just, I'm just hoping that that everything's gonna be fine. But it's that thing that again, kind of gut gut feeling is like just something isn't right. It's like a cocktail of things just going wrong, isn't it? All these little interruptions, the, 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 two, the, you know, the journey chaos. there, the journey back, the first midwife, that one, the f- second phone call, the second midwife, all these. How many hours have you lost there if you add that all up together? I mean, we're talking, we started off at like 10.30 at night whenever we had the first call. This is six or, well, almost seven o'clock in the morning. What? Yeah. So Really? And you're without, talking without when, answers. When they, couldn't hear the, when they couldn't hear the heartbeats, we got pulled into the hospital um, early hours in the morning. So there was, I think it was about two or three or something between three and seven. Yeah. You know, there was a point where there was like a couple of, basically an hour and a bit where they couldn't hear a heartbeat. So uh, it was, it was a point where 
she, you know, when that midwife came, I don't know, I can't remember what time it is. I've got, I've ironically got the times because I had them on my doorbell. My doorbell told me what, what times everything was. I've got everything chronologically logged. Yeah, yeah. But it was, it was a specific time that, that she came and then it was about an hour and a bit before her coming and us getting to the, to the, the, the C-section point. So, you know, it was a chunk of time before we were left to that point. Okay. And then we're basically in that point now where C-section you know, takes place. Um, and I have to say they were quick at this point getting stuff, you know, get, getting it all sorted, getting her out. And they took Amelia out and just took her straight away. I couldn't, it was such a blur. They took her straight past us. And I, I, I just remember them saying that, Kiri saying, is she okay? Is she okay? Like, and, and, and just saying like, I just, just, just saying, you know, I, I think it was, Oh, Oh fuck. Like, like, and I just remember that kind of point of like, I, I'm looking at her because I don't want to look over to the left of me because they're, they're now resuscitating Amelia there. They were putting, you know, giving her adrenaline. They're trying to get her heart started again. And it was that point where they were doing that for half an hour and they finally said to us, they came over and were like, we're, we're sorry, she's, you know, she's gone. And I mean, what do you... What do you say? You know, like less than less than twelve hours ago, I was feeling the kicking and bumping around. Like, what? What do you even? I just didn't even know what to do. I was just so shocked. Like both of us were so shocked, and then they had to obviously stitch Kerry up. So I got sent away again yeah. to a to the corner of the room, left in in the corner with with just like this kind of, well, no baby. You know, well the half. You know, being being looked at from a you know if, if, if being stitched up, I'm not with her, and you just couldn't feel more like numb. It's no, the best way to describe that's, it. That's, the, that's word. the word I hear a lot with that. How long before someone spoke to you? I think they finally brought Kiri out, and they they'd come and apologize. They, they said, "I'm you know I'm really sorry." And I think one by one they'd then you know you know come to say you know we're really sorry. And I was thinking, I just don't know what. Like I, I still couldn't, I still couldn't get it. it still hadn't clicked. Yeah. If that's the, you know, it still hadn't clicked in my head with what was going on. So I think that it's that out of body experience, isn't it? Yeah, you feel you feel like you just you just didn't also part of that point. You know, you walk in an autopilot. I didn't know what to say. I didn't know what to do. We've never been in this situation before. You know, they finally brought Kiri back and they said, you know, do you want to hold baby? And I was like, do I? I was like, I, I don't know. Like, and, and this sounds this sounds really bad, but I'm going to tell it as it is. You know. This is a dead baby. You know, I wouldn't grab a dead person. I'm like, this is what was running the kind of crazy stuff that's running through my head yeah. right now. You know, I, 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 I'm not being like, it sounds weird, but you know, you're kind of like, well, what do I do? I'm, I can't bring her back to life. Like, nothing's going to change. You're going to show me what I could have had. You know, is that what you kind of, you kind of doing? Is you're saying, this is what you could have, you, you both could have had. And it's like, well, we didn't and we don't. And I'm like, so we, I'm glad we did now. You know, we, yeah. we held a media you know, help wire. Uh, one thing I remember is when she was born, it snowed. It was April the 5th and it snowed. Um, literally started snowing, you know, as, she, as she'd been born. Um, Chris, so, it was just really poignant. So you, you did hold Amelia, was that, you took the decision? Yeah, so, so, so Kiri held Amelia. To just go back to that question we were, that Ryan asked you a few minutes ago about the advice. I mean, it's a horrible question to ask for people who, who go through that situation and, and you get asked that question. You see, so you're... you're as you put it yourself very bluntly, ultimately, you know, it's a dead child, but yeah. it, it, you're happy you did it and it's, it's something you would encourage people to do if, God I think, forbid, that happened. I think everyone's different and it's really hard to say, but I think that you don't regret doing it, but you regret not doing it. We still regret yeah, spending okay. time, you know, even with Amelia after that point. We'd, we'd had time with her, um, you know, she was in one of the cold cuts, et cetera, that came with it and we were able to spend some time with her, with Ben as well. And I think that, you you can't take that time, you know, you can't relive that time. And I think if you think you're going to have any doubt whether you need to do something, you, sh you should do it. No matter whether you need to see that baby every day, whether you need to see them once, I think you, you need to do it. I think ultimately there's, yeah. So this is a year ago now, isn't it? Just, um, just over a year? Yeah. So, yeah, just over a year. So the 5th of April last year. Thank you for... Yeah. Amazing for the amount of detail you've gone in with that. Now there is a, a second part that we mentioned earlier. We're gonna we're gonna come back at a different date with this because you and Kerry you've, ta you've taken action since over the way that yep. you you felt things played out 
that maybe should have been handled differently. And I think we should dedicate, and we write a whole episode to that. We'll, we'll get you back on at some point in this series. But thank you for... Um, no, I appreciate it. Give me time. Now, you know, a year on, you, um, you know, to end on a happy note, you are expecting, aren't you, in, what, a week and a yeah. half? Week and a half, yeah. We've got a, a C-section date for a week and a half. So, yeah, good note, but I have to uh, How do you feel? the anxious time. Yeah. I, I, like, literally, as soon as I found out, I got myself out of that house. Like, yeah. I, I mean, it's like it's like someone says to you, you've got 30 seconds to get out of your house, someone's going to get you. I literally, like, I didn't even pack. Kiri packed everything. I left without any clothes or anything. I just got out there. Don't, don't like, turn up naked. Again. The baby's yeah. supposed to do that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. yeah. Just finally, um, you having C-section for the, the – was that a conscious decision then? Yeah, it was a conscious no. decision because of uh, – so we're having a C-section at 37 and a bit, so it's earlier than with okay. Amelia because of what happened. Right. Yeah. Okay. All right, well, we'll be thinking yeah. of you. And uh, yeah, you. I wish you all the best and, and, and looking forward to getting you back on uh, when you'll be uh, Mr. New Daddy and you can uh, carry on <laughs> with, the, with the story that we started tonight. Uh, cheers, guys. I appreciate that. So there we go. He's, he's been through a lot. And that was excellent. I think I one of the way he did it. Yeah, one of those things, it's just dealing with, not only you're dealing with grief, but then when you're dealing with just the thought processes behind dealing with that and also... You know, who's culpable for it? Is there someone? Is there something that we can do? So, yeah, reach out to Lily May Foundation. All the resources are on there. And um, you, can, you can get in touch with anybody. And we'll be back in a uh, couple of weeks. Now, in fact, sorry, I'll tell a lie. We'll be back next, next week. week. In fact, we've got three in a row now. So, yeah. Lorraine. Yes, I'm, get, I'm, get, I'm getting to that. Hang on, Matt. Hang on. No, no, no. Just, just... <laughs> well, I've got a new game to end the podcast. I've got a game called Guess Which Name of Which TV Show We're Going On Soon. I think Matt just gave everyone a clue. Yeah, we've been invited on to Lorraine Kelly's show. We have. Which will be in, is it in August uh, we're doing it? 18th of August. 18th of August. Um, yes. So yeah, we'll be, uh, be sitting on our sofa for a, a, couple, a couple of minutes. Wear. I've got no fashion sense at so all. So I don't know what I'm going to yeah. do. We'll, oh, we'll sort you out. Matt, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll put I reckon you in you... some pinks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're looking forward to that. And obviously it'll be great. It'll be great exposure. Um, Absolutely. For not only the Lily May Foundation and the podcast from a, from a selfish reason, but also just the main reason that we're here, which is building awareness and getting conversations started. Ultimately, we're here because men don't talk enough. We talk a lot of bollocks, but we don't talk enough about the things that we should really be talking about either at the same time. And uh, hopefully this will go some way to, along with other podcasts uh, that, are do- that are doing a similar thing. And the more, the merrier. And uh, like Matt's been on the High Performance Podcast recently, which we spoke about at the back end of last series. In fact, they even did an Instagram message about you yesterday, actually, which they put up. I'm not sure if you've seen it. I didn't. Well, I didn't yeah. see the crystal showing me. So, yeah. it's, no. so that's there. So yeah, thank you very much. You can get in touch with us at any point about anything. Just uh, at Still Parents Podcast on Instagram or through the Lily May Foundation pages, uh, either through their website or their their social media pages. And I think. For me, that's about it. Anything anything you guys want to add before we wrap up? Amy's just said she'll come along as your stylist, Matt. I, I need that help. Yes, he does. Yeah, I do yes, need he that does. Help. Yes, Amy, you can come with us. Yes, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. Well, enjoy the rest of uh, your Sunday evening if you're watching live. Enjoy whatever you're up to if you're listening at a later date three podcast provider. Thank you very much. This is the Still Parents Podcast, and we will be back with episode two very soon. Good night. Mm-hmm.